What's up, pretty thinkers? It's Yasmin, and welcome back to Pretty Thoughts. Now, why didn't y'all tell me? It's been almost three months since I last uploaded something. Y'all was supposed to be keeping me accountable. <laughs> like, this was supposed to be the follow-up to the last episode. And look at us. Three months later, here we are. But I actually have a good excuse. Uh, right after I posted that last episode, I found out that I had the opportunity to, that I was invited to visit, uh, a school, a university. And then right after that, I started working on my grad school application. So the last two and a half, three months, that's where my focus has been mostly. So, you know great excuse good excuse but we're black we're i am black <laughs> but that's not what i was trying to say we're back uh a lot less stressed and excited to bring in the new year of course this is the last episode of this year 2022 has been long and short and i am beginning to realize that my perception of time is not great at all um, but that's what happens when we take constructs a little too seriously. But here we are. And that is not what this episode is about at all. So as I mentioned in the last episode, um, well, I guess in the last episode, I talked a bit about cultural appropriation and the controversy surrounding Chloe Bailey uh, playing Ariel in the live action Little Mermaid. And in that episode... I mentioned that I have always wanted to bring the discussion of digital blackface to the podcast. And so it kind of seemed or felt like the right time because of everything that was going on at that point. Um, So here we are. I think I also mentioned in that last episode that this was something that I had done for a class assignment. And... It was originally originally intended to be a podcast episode, but I ended up making a YouTube video, one that will never be seen by anyone except for the person that graded the assignment. So if that person happens to listen to this and anything sounds familiar, that's why. And for the people who are listening to this for the first time, if this sounds like an essay or it's giving essay vibes, that's because that's what it is. So with all of the disclaimers out of the way, let's get into the world of digital blackface. Memes, emojis, GIFs, internet slang. We all love to use these things, some more than others, but they all contribute to the many ways we express ourselves on social media. Digital blackface is a term used to describe the ways in which people can participate in minstrelsy using technology and the internet. Like menstrual shows, users can create fake accounts posing as black users, misuse AAVE, darken the skin tones of their emojis, and more prominently, outsource their emotional labor to black faces using memes and GIFs portraying black faces. When we look at internet culture in retrospect, much of it derives from black culture. White people and other non-black people of color are now gaining access to many aspects of blackness and black culture that they have never seen before because of the internet. So between the conflation of internet slash pop culture and black culture 
and how overly saturated the media is with these types of representation of black folk. White people and, uh, and other non-black people of color end up appropriating, misinterpreting, and misusing something that was never meant for them in the first place. Ultimately, I want to use this, this <laughs> I was going to say video, it's not a video, y'all. Ultimately, I want to use this episode as an opportunity to discuss culture, representation, and the overall harm that digital blackface causes. For my sanity and the sake of organization, this episode will be split into about four parts. The history of blackface, how it has transcended into the digital age slash culture, the harms and effects, and finally, what's the point? and why it all matters. So let's get into the history of blackface. Now, blackface refers to the practice of wearing makeup to imitate the appearance of a black person to mimic and sometimes mock or ridicule black people. The origins of blackface are surprisingly not widely documented. The roots date back centuries to old European theatrical performances, Shakespeare's Othello being a popular example. Excuse me. However, what we do know is the man who made it popular in the U.S. Thomas Dartmouth's daddy, Rice, (laughs) the creator of the first well-known minstrel show, character Jim Crow. Rice not only popularized minstrelsy in the 1830s, but was coined the father of it. Rice was born in 1808 in New York and would go on to be a traveling performer in the 1820s. Between growing up in an integrated neighborhood up north and touring the south as a performer, Rice was able to observe observe African-American speech, song, and dance. Coupling his observations with exaggeration and humor, Rice gave birth to his first black stage character, Jim Crow. Along with adorning himself in a burnt cork, black face mask, In tattered clothing, he performed a new dance with his song that he claimed to have learned from an African-American slave. Although this particular style of song and dance were not new, having inspiration from both Irish and African-American culture, most Northern audiences found the combination to be. White folk from the North and the South fell in love with Rice's perpetuation of stereotypes and his imitation of this Black man. And we'll get into why I'm choosing to articulate his actions in this way later. But the point here is that Rice was making some serious money. And while he did not coin the term minstrelsy or even use it to describe his show, Rice's use of black stereotypes and blackface and his show's popularity and financial success definitely paved the way and set the foundation for minstrelsy to hit the ground running. With the Virginia with the Virginia minstrels being the first white minstrel troupe to perform in 1843. I guess you could say the rest is history. I obviously obviously can't go into too much detail for timing's sake, but if I can figure out how, I will definitely um, try and leave the resources in the description of the episode. Um, And maybe like a public Google Doc or something if I can find them, because this is very interesting. And if you have time, I would read up on it. (laughs) But anyway... It is important to note that the areas in which blackface became popularized were areas with limited to no interaction with African Americans. Following the Civil War and emancipation, many of the stereotypes created collided with 
actual African-Americans and their demand to be acknowledged as people, causing white people's animosity towards them to grow. As new forms of media were created, minstrelsy would soon lead the stage and find its way to the radio, television, and the big screen. Blackface, racial parodies, and stereotypes became typical forms of family amusement. Blackface and this codifying of blackness, I really love that word, and by codify, I basically mean creating the standard of language, movement, deportment, and character of someone or something. In this case, black people. So by codifying blackness as this caricature or this unrealistic being, it not only aided in signifying black people as other, but the dehumanization and disenfranchisement of blacks in America and had direct impacts on the resurgence of the Ku Klux Klan and the creation of black codes or Jim Crow laws. While donning blackface has lost its popularity, we still see it enacted today. Whether that be on frat boys at Halloween parties, the white person donning a black scent for views, or through the use of memes and gifs. It is very much alive and well, except now, white people are able to deny the racism that permeates these actions. Then again, they always were. So, maybe they are able to deny racist intent, but let's be real. Intent does not justify racist behavior it never has. So, sorry y'all, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> now this next section, the new face of blackface and a few other things. Um, I think it will be very difficult to talk about this section without talking about culture first. I want to look at, at a piece by Stuart Hall called What is this black in black popular culture? Hall's main point is that he feels we should take a a more dialogic approach when discussing black popular culture as opposed to an essentialist one. Because we tend to rely too much on essentialism when discussing popular culture and black popular culture alike. It takes racial differences from their historical, political, and cultural context and presents it as a biological thing. In other words, Race has no biological determinant on how you will act or should act. However, the context under which your race is perceived by others does. Race might be a construct, but the consequences of being racialized are very real. So why is this important when discussing culture in digital blackface? I think Hall says it best. Popular culture, commodified and stereotype as it often is, is not at all as we sometimes think of it. The arena where we find who we really are, the truth of our experience. So basically, this black in black popular culture, and I'll just go on ahead and say in popular culture to avoid confusion because that's what I'm talking about. So this black in popular culture does not really capture the full essence of what being black is. In a lot of ways, it is a performance a performance that is necessary for black folks and a performance that white people and non-black people of color tend to overly depend on, whether they realize it or not. A consensus that I saw while doing research was this idea of culture as a performance, but one that black people must do. The way we interact with one another on social media has historical context, signifying being a big part of that. We have brought the ways we engage in banter, discuss politics, or deal with trauma, joke around, etc. 
to the internet, to the internet, <laughs> to the internet. Wow. And while spaces like Twitter have given us room to just be, it has also made us more vulnerable. Others are now able to access aspects of black culture that they have never seen before. Unfortunately, people mistake access for entitlement, thus creating the problem we have with digital blackface today. The internet is pretty much free real estate. When people have access to it, they use it. But what happens when the images or vernacular being shared either have a blackface attached or derives from some aspect of blackness? You end up with people like Meghan McCain using gifts of black women while being on the more conservative side of the political spectrum. Or you end up with people taking advantage of the anonymity that comes along with the internet to pretend to be black for their personal gain. Or people misusing black English or AAVE. Sometimes all three. (laughs) And while it can be fun to laugh at the irony or the misuse, we begin to tread in dangerous territory when we realize that the people doing these things don't understand the significance of their actions and the impact that they have on black lives off of the internet. Social media is real life for black people. The things others do to perpetuate stereotypes or make jokes affect us offline as well. So to watch people treat blackness as something that they can take on and off is very upsetting and is exhausting. And this leads me into the harms and effect. And the harms, the harms and effects of digital blackface. Now, Lauren Michelle Jackson says it best in her op-ed, we need to talk about digital blackface and reaction gifts. If there's one thing the internet thrives on, it's hyperbole. This overuse of black gifts by non-black people to express their most hyperbolic emotions adds to the association of blackness with excessive behaviors. Doing nothing means we are doing something. So when we finally act, that behavior is considered over the top or extreme. The gifts and memes use the gifts and memes used tend to be overly animated, sassy, or angry with black femmes as the face. When non-black people create fake accounts pretending to be black in order to defend someone's racist behavior with comments like, as a black woman, as a black man, as a black person, I am not offended by this. That also becomes a problem because although most black people might realize that it is fake or that those profiles are fake, most non-blacks won't. Making them think certain actions are saying are loud and okay because one black person is not offended. Oversharing gifts and memes of black people, and I am speaking particularly about people such as Sweet Brown, Charles Ramsey, Antoine Dodson, and more recently, Tessica Brown, aka Gorilla Glue Girl, or she was the most recent one at the time that I talked about this so I guess now even more recently well I guess Hallie will be a more updated version of that but Tessica Brown definitely aka Gorilla Glue Girl and Hallie to some extent who have had their trauma or hardships put on display for the world only for people to remix it or make fun of it dehumanizes them as Aisha Harris states in her article, the trouble, the troubling viral trend of the, of the hilarious black neighbor 
it's difficult to watch these videos and not sense that their popularity has something to do with a persistent, if unconscious, desire to watch black people perform. Playing into the most basic form of stereotypes of black people as simple-minded and ghetto. The point is that when white people and non-black people of color decide to share these images or misuse AAV, AAVE for views are because it's quote-unquote internet slang or just outright pretend to be black, they are in no way accurately representing blackness or black culture or black people. This is the white person's black person, the one who fits every stereotype, the loud mouth, the super sassy or overly aggressive or flamboyant black person that everyone loves to hate. And hate us, they do. Ask any black person who has ever been microaggressed, pulled over, and have survived. Ask the family of those who haven't. Ask any black person who has been followed around in a store. We still face the consequences of the stereotypes men like Thomas Dartmouth Rice created the moment they painted their faces black. So what's the point? Why does it matter? Nigerian novelist Chinua Achebe once said that the whole idea of a stereotype is to simplify. And for a lot of reasons, he is not wrong. Stereotyping of any, time, of any kind reeks with overgeneralizations, reeks of overgeneralizations and lack of nuance. The internet and media in general are overly saturated with images of black death, black trauma, and then there are memes and gifs. Again, this dehumanizes black people, making us and our culture expendable, easily replaced. These things deny us of any nuance or history. They deny us of context. While most black people don't fall into many of the stereotypes we often see of black people, it is important to acknowledge, acknowledge those who do or might relate, those who do or may relate. Many of us black folk share these things ourselves, laugh at the jokes made when they are from another black person, of course, because sometimes we see ourselves in these jokes or we see someone we know. It's important to acknowledge the systems put in place that make some of these stereotypes very real. Capitalism, the prison industrial complex, racism, all under the blanket of whiteness. So when black people joke about these things, we are only reappropriating our struggles, making the best of what we might have. It doesn't work that way when white people or other non-black people of color do it. Your possible misinterpretations can be taken as reality, as it often is by your white and other non-black peers, who then share them with their peers, and so on. Someone who may have never met a black person, who may have never met a black person has never had a black person as a friend. None of that. <laughs> this is how those first stereotypes were born and perpetuated. This is how structural racism stays effective. So, I say all of this to say that I'm not telling you that you can't share your memes or gifs or your favorite video simply because it has a black face or a black person in it. But what I am telling you is to be aware of what you share and the context of which you share it. There's nothing wrong with scrolling a little longer past the sea of black faces in your gift search to find a white one. Especially if you are using these images to appear angry or extra sassy. You know, your little two snaps, whatever, neck twirl, I don't know. <laughs> because it's tired 
and this very old sis. If you are someone who cl- if you are someone who claims to do these things because you appreciate black culture, sometimes appreciation means not doing anything with the content you consume other than consuming it. Leave a comment or like it. You don't always have to try and recreate it. The whole point is this. These interactions you see on the internet are between black folk and you all just happen to be there. So as long as you remember that you are not the captain of this boat called blackness, black culture, that you are just along for the ride, then there isn't anything inherently wrong with enjoying it. Just maybe don't enjoy too much. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. Anyway, that's basically the end. Before I go, I just want to thank you all so much for a great year and all of your support um, for my podcast and, you know, my my mini renaissance era to some extent. Uh, I hope you all bring, I, well, I hope you all enjoyed your holidays. Happy holidays. Um, and I'm hoping that you all are able to bring in the new year with some excitement and encouragement and I just wish you all luck try to enjoy the rest of 2022 the best way that you can and bring in the new year the best way that you are able to and know how uh but yeah I love you all so much again thank you for supporting me (sighs) happy new year you all are the best (laughs) with that said This is Yasmin signing off and always remember, keep those thoughts pretty. Peace. Okay, so I know that the episode was over and I ended it with peace, but in my fashion, as I was listening back, I realized I I had an epiphany (laughs) and y'all said y'all wanted more unfiltered me. So here y'all go. This is what that sounds like in the section where I talked about Sweet Brown and Antoine Dots and um, and Gorilla Glue Girl. I don't know why I'm having a such such a hard time <laughs> saying that, but um, I compared. Yeah, in that section, I was essentially talking about their pain being exploited and they're they're being made to perform and seem ghetto and um all of that. I said that Hallie would be, I guess, a more relevant or prominent version of this. And to some extent, yes, but I really believe that Megan the Stallion and her situation with being shot in the foot and people pretty much making a joke out of her pain and how prominent this is, people not believing her, all this other stuff, essentially like wanting to watch her perform is a better uh, representation, or I guess it is a better example. So I just wanted to put that in there because I said Hallie, because she was just like on my mind and this was a continuation, but Megan the Stallion and her case between uh, Tory Lane and him shooting her, all of that was, um, I just felt like that proved to be a better example. And if you don't know, excuse me, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, just do a couple of Google searches because that could be a whole episode on its own. <laughs> but 
um, yeah, for those who do know what I'm saying, this will probably, or do know what I'm talking about, these last couple of minutes will probably make a lot more sense to you. Uh, so now the episode is officially over and I just wanted to make that note um, because I did come to that realization while I was listening. Uh, so yeah, again, happy new years, peace, and I will see y'all in 2023.